Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Let's begin. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Believe it or not, in the three Sundays that I have taught from this text, I have only hit on three scriptures, three verses. One scripture for a whole Sunday sermon. And today what I want to do is try to finish this passage by looking at verse 14 first that says, so that we may no longer be children. Look at your neighbor say, time to grow up. <laughs> wow. Some of you took that personal, I can tell right now. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak to you this morning, church, from the topic, the spiritual maturity test. I want to know how grown are you? Lord, bless the word today. We ask that you would bless your word. We know it's already blessed. Maybe bless the hearer of the word to accept it with an open heart and an open spirit. God, we pray you put your roots down deep in us today that we might be strong and mighty, strong and mighty in the spirit, and that we might become mature as you have designed. Lord, we want to reflect your beauty, and we want to reflect your glory to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. amen. You can be seated. How many of you guys are nervous already? You're like, wow. He's going to talk about spiritual maturity today. Wow. You know, one of the questions that you might have is, what is it that spiritual maturity looks like? And we're going to dive into that today. But, you know, I was thinking this morning while I was brushing my teeth. That's where I get a lot of prophetic revelation. is that our generation conflates style with substance far too often, so much so that we can't really tell the difference. Meaning if something looks good, if something feels good, if something appears to be good, shiny and influential, we automatically believe that that's what substance looks like. And it's possible to have all of those things. It's possible to have style. It's possible to play the part. It's possible to say all the right spiritual things. 
but not actually have any substance, but not actually be spiritually mature, but not actually be spiritually strong. And what I want to do today is I want to look at the scriptures and I want to paint a picture of what it actually looks like through the lens of the Bible to be spiritually mature saints. I'm not talking about just looking the part. I'm not talking about just being stylish. I'm not talking about just being gifted or just being talented or just being influential. I'm talking about being bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. I'm talking about being spiritually mature, strong saints of God. If you want to be that, say, that's me. We want to be that, Lord. Well, we've covered a lot in the last four weeks. My wife did an amazing job talking about unity, and I, I've hit on uh, Ephesians 4 and 11 for a whole Sunday, verse 12 for a whole Sunday, verse 13 for a whole Sunday. And what we've basically covered up until this point is that Jesus has given gifts to his church, and they are governmental leadership gifts. That's point one. Do you guys remember what those gifts are called? Come on, 9 a.m. Y'all remember what they call the fivefold. And these leaders have been called by God to equip you, everybody say me, me. for the work of the ministry. And as everybody does their part and as everybody contributes with their unique work, what happens? The church, the body of Christ is built up to become strong and to become mature. So you can kind of reverse engineer that a little bit and you can ask yourself, well, what does it look like to have a strong church? We talked about this last week. Well, you got to have healthy leaders that are biblically qualified, executing on their holy job description to equip the saints for the work of the ministry so that the saints then can play their part and that the whole body is being built up and the local church then becomes strong. That's what a strong church looks like. And so today I want to talk a little bit about what a strong saint looks like. Amen. So I hope we all now know that Jesus gives us leaders to make us ministers so that his church can become strong and mature. You guys all got that, don't you? So that's the summary of what we've been talking about. But I'm looking at verse 14 today because I want to analyze the segue. And the reason why I say that is because there is there's something in verse 14 as it kicks off and it says this, so that, so that, right? So we've hit on this summary all up until this point. I have a leader. They're equipping me for the work of the ministry so that the church can become strong. So that, see, we've hit the summary. It's a little segue here. So that, why? Why do we have leaders? Why do we do the work of the ministry? Why do we all individually and collectively intentionally build up the body of Christ? Why do we do that? So that, Paul says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You mean to tell me that culture wants to rename me, reframe me, and retrain me? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Culture, the systems of this world. You mean men, human beings are coming up with cunning and deceitful schemes to try to mold me and make me into a person God's never called me to become? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. That's what Paul says right here in Ephesians chapter 4. 
And so he's given us, God's given us leaders to make us ministers so that his church grows so that I am no longer a spiritual child. So that I'm no longer a spiritual child. Like that's, that's what Paul wants us to hear this morning. And, um, and he says, so that you no, no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness into deceitful schemes, rather, and we're going to get back to the rather. But I'll talk a little bit about uh, being a spiritual child. Being a spiritual child is not bad. You just can't stay there. All right? It's not bad. You just can't stay there. So as I'm sharing these points, don't beat yourself up if you feel like they, you know, stick. Being a spiritual child is just a starting point. Jesus surely always welcomes children. We know that. He always welcomes children. And he even says that in order for us to enter the kingdom of God, we've got to become childlike. You guys remember that? And for us to receive truth, we've got to become childlike. Note he says childlike, not childish. Two very different things. He says childlike, not childish. So Jesus expects us to grow spiritually. Jesus expects you to become a spiritually mature saint. And what he does through his church and through the leaders of the church is he gives us all the resources that we need in order to become that spiritually mature saint. Go back to our previous verses real quick and consider what God has given us to grow spiritually. I know I have... Like, I have stayed on this point for a whole month, but I really want our church to get it. All right? What are the resources that God gives us to grow spiritually? Leaders, the work of ministry, and church. A refusal to engage in any of the three will hold you back from maturing. This is just what I've noticed. Anybody who is adverse from any spiritual leadership in their life will stunt their spiritual growth. Nope. Nobody's in charge of me. I'm in charge of me. What you've done is you've just indicted yourself in some way, shape, or form to stay spiritually immature in one aspect of your life. Well, I, I don't, you know, I don't need church. What you've done is you've just indicted yourself to stay spiritually immature in one aspect of your life. Well, I don't need to serve, and I don't need to work, and I don't need to minister. Same thing, church. You're saying, I am refusing to grow in one aspect of my spiritual life because we need these things like a trifecti. They help us to build and to become mature. So we are joined together. That's been the whole emphasis of this sermon series so that we can become spiritually mature. You guys know, you guys have heard me say this so many times, but there is no man that can crucify himself or no woman, right? Like you can get the nail in one hand by yourself. You could even get the nail in your feet by yourself, but you're going to need to hand the hammer to somebody else in this community to crucify your flesh and keep you on the cross. You cannot crucify yourself. A community is required to keep you dead. (laughs) 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 20 says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants and evil, but in your thinking be mature. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Everybody say, grow up. Man, that, isn't that right there just, doesn't that just read you? Where do I speak like a child? When do I speak like a child? When do I think like a child? When do I reason like a child? No, I want to grow up. I, I just kept uh, remembering that Toys R Us song. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. I'm like, some people are like that church. You know? No, I'm good. I don't want to be led. I only want to show up when it's convenient. I don't want to serve. Here's what I hear. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Okay. But I'm confused because you also want a mic. I'm totally thrown off because you also want a role, a position. You want authority. You want a responsibility. You want title. You want honor. Come on. Let's be honest, guys. It's like we cannot shortcut the process. God, the Father has given us Christ. Christ has given us the Holy Spirit. He's also given us gifts so that we can mature and become all that we're called to be. So Paul says, when I became a man, I gave up those childish ways. So how can you tell if somebody is spiritually immature? Man, I did this... Honestly, I feel like I did this message for all the single people in here, all right? Because the next couple of points is identifying who not to marry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's no finished masterpieces in the room, all right? Getting married is not going to all of a sudden make you spiritually mature, but it sure does help. So how can you tell if somebody is spiritually immature? Number one, they backslide. Now, this is low-hanging fruit, isn't it? But then again, um, it's very interesting to me that so many in our generation, we've stopped referring to sin as sin. We're, 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 just, now, we're just now calling it mistakes. Well, I made a mistake. Did you do it on purpose? Yes, that's sin. That's not a mistake. A mistake is something like you do on accident, right? Like, are you with me, church? It's like, well, you know, I, I'm not backslidden. Well, you do everything backsliders do. Yeah, but that's not who I am. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Your repetition becomes your reputation. You can argue with me all day that that's not your value system, but if your behavior matches the same pattern day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, listen, you may not consider yourself to be backslidden, but I want you to know if you're doing the acts of a backslider, you're backslidden and you need to repent and come home. Amen. Let's go. So in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus actually talks about uh, the seed. You know, we talked about seed this morning during offering time. But um, one of the things that Jesus said is that they endure for a while, but because they have no strong roots, they're immature, they eventually fall away when they're tested. That's what happens. Galatians chapter 4 verse 9 says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? Man, isn't that a, whew. 
That's a little five-fold ministry right there. That's just like a slap right on the back of the head, isn't it, by Paul? They backslide. That's how you can know that somebody is spiritually immature. They backslide. Number two, they lack spiritual understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3 says this, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. I think it was Bill Johnson that said uh, one time, what's the difference in milk and meat? You know, you hear Christians all the time say, I don't want the milk, I want the meat. Give me the meat, pastor. Give me the meat. Give me the meat. Well, what is the meat? The meat is uh, the presence of conviction. So it's whenever you can receive a word that convicts with gladness, repent, and then walk out transformation. That's what the, that's what the meat is. But, uh, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I didn't actually mean that. I meant like, I want you to give me deep thoughts. I want you to give me that heavy revy so that I know more and I can feel better about who I am. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? No, no, that's not the meat. The meat is the word that convicts, that brings us to a point of repentance. And God gives us a choice to change. When I say that they lack spiritual understanding, what I'm saying is they lack spiritual discernment. They're not discerning what God is saying. They're not aware of what God is doing because they are so overly occupied in the flesh, Paul says, and material matters. So their mind is not set on things of the spirit. Their mind is set on things of the world. They're more interested in what outfit they're going to wear than spending time with Jesus and receiving his words in prayer. That one hurt a little bit, I can tell. I was just like, okay, all right, great. Get off of it, pastor. You know, um, Paul also talks about having your mind set on things above, having an eternal mindset understanding day in and day out, this world is not my home. This is not the end all be all. My whole life is not all about my next paycheck. My whole life is not all about my next vacation. My whole life is not all about my next Instagram post. My life is about bringing glory to God, both now in the present and also in eternity. What I do today, I'm going to be doing forever. And that's one of the things I've tried to say to myself about my own calendar. I want to spend my time doing things today that I'm going to be doing forever. Think about that. What are you going to be doing forever? You're going to be worshiping. You're going to be gazing on the beauty of the Lord. You're going to be awestruck by the face of Jesus. You're going to be before the throne on your knees with your hands lifted, listening to the worship of every nation, of every tribe, of every tongue as they bring an offering unto the Lord Jesus, the precious lamb that was slain that is central to that of the heavenlies. Like, I want to spend my time in the present today doing the things I'm going to be doing in eternity. So we want to have our minds set on things above, and that gives us strong roots, and that spiritually matures us. Number three. What makes somebody spiritually immature? They're divisive due to jealousy and constant comparison. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 said, For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? I, I, I think this is something that's really um, been a weight to the people of God in our generation. And it's, it's, it's constant competition and comparison, constant comparison, constant comparison. You know, comparison, Paul says, is unwise. 
And he said, you compare yourselves with yourselves, and in so doing, it is unwise. Why is it unwise to constantly compare yourself to other people? Because when you compare, you always compare your worst to their best. And that's what Paul says is always unwise. But it also keeps us in a state of maturity because the more we compare and the more we compete, the more narrow our life gets. Meaning our sole focus is on beating the person we're in competition with rather than bringing glory to Jesus who we're in relationship with. I'll probably end up talking a little bit about that next week. Interestingly enough in my study, you know what I learned about rivalry, the word rivalry in the Bible? It means a narrow place. And doesn't that perfectly describe illustrating what it looks like to live a life obsessed with comparison? You're just narrow. Your focus is so narrow. Your vision is so narrow. Your direction is so narrow. That's good, Lyle. I thought that was awesome. That was a good point. Number four, what makes somebody spiritually mature? They have a lot of pride. They're arrogant and they're egotistical. You know, I was, telling the, I was telling the LSM students this last week, is that I don't have any problem with big confidence. I think big confidence is great. You should believe in you. Jesus does. But ego is not believing too much in yourself. It's believing too little of others. You know, whenever you get around like a, a really great leader, when you leave them, you just feel so believed in, right? And when you get around a really great leader, you walk away and you're like, man, I'm really important. But when you get around like a a bad leader, you leave and you're like, wow, they're really important. You see what I'm saying? It's like that's the difference in confidence and ego. Have big confidence. You're a son. You're a daughter. You matter in the kingdom. God's called you to be an ambassador. You're a world changer. You're supposed to make a dent in history. You're awesome. You're powerful. You got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. You are the temple of the Spirit of God right now. Be awesome. But don't be arrogant and don't be egotistical. Other people are awesome, and they're also the temples of the Holy Spirit. This is why whenever Paul's writing to Timothy in chapter 3 and verse 6, he says, um, you know, you don't want to make a leader a recent convert because he might become puffed up, and he might have conceit and then fall into the condemnation of the devil. Now, that is a very interesting scripture, one in which I don't have time to just go deep in, but it's one of the reasons why you don't take New believers, like fresh, young, spiritually immature leaders, and give them big positions, right? We we hear the passage, lay hands on no man suddenly, and we think that has to do with a fire tunnel. Like, make sure you let them know, hey, about to lay hands on you. No, he's talking about ordination. He's talking about commissioning. He's talking about anointing somebody to actually lead in a local church context or lead in a ministry context or come into a governmental position where they have a lot of authority and responsibility. Don't lay hands on people suddenly because we don't want the empowerment to be the thing that takes them out. And without spiritually mature leaders, what we'll do is we'll empower people before they're prepared and pride will take root and an independent spirit will, will take hold and the enemy will take them out. Does that make sense? Okay, awesome. You guys get anything out of this today? Okay, number five is this. They're overly sensitive to other people's freedoms, judging others constantly. Is Sean in here? Sean's going to like this one because he, he's on the carnivore diet. 
Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, one person believes he may eat anything while the person, while the weak person eats only vegetables. <laughs> I'm not, listen, I'm not courageous enough to teach on this topic yet because I don't want to offend anybody, but I need to figure out, you know, what Paul exactly was trying to say there. I do have some understanding, okay? He says, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Okay, here's the point. They're overly sensitive to other people's freedoms, judging other people constantly, meaning their level of conviction, they expect to be everybody's level of conviction, right? So maybe in this passage, Paul's talking about people who don't eat meat. So he's like, if you have a conviction about not eating meat, the immaturity looks like suggesting that nobody else be allowed to eat meat because that's wrong for you. So therefore it has to be wrong for them. Does this make sense? I mean, we could talk about this like having a glass of wine. Oh, man. Well, because I don't drink. I, I saw that person having a glass of wine. They're a heathen. They're spiritually immature. Well, you shouldn't really judge them on the basis of one Instagram post. Because your freedoms are different than their freedoms. Okay. But here's the thing, I also want to say, it's not that you're not allowed to come to conclusion about someone else's behavior, because you totally are. You know why? Because sin is sin. And you will recognize sin. When you're spiritually discerning, you're going to recognize sin. However, who needs to hear this? Probably nobody in this room, maybe somebody watching online. You are not God's police deputy. I don't know who needs to hear that. Like, that's not your role in the body of Christ. Like, he's not giving out badges, all right? You're not God's police deputy. None of us is God's great legislature of righteousness. No one is so holy that they need no longer work on themselves, okay? So it's always the people who are obsessed with the speck in your eye that have a log in their own. So just remember that. Number six, this is the last one. They are unstable. James 1, uh, 6 through 8 says, For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. That's scary. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 here. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. What I'm trying to say here through point six church is spiritually immature people have no sound root system. They are loosely planted if at all. Spiritually immature people ride a roller coaster through life of confusion. They are not anchored. One day they're here. The next day they're there. They don't know. Should I do? I don't know if I should do it. I don't know if I should do this. They're, they're flighty. They're always all over the place. And I think Ephesians chapter 4 gives us an antidote for spiritual immaturity and gives us the opportunity to choose maturity by putting down roots in a local church with healthy, healthy leaders serving as part of the work of the ministry and participating in building up the church collectively. This produces maturity in people. I'm telling you, listen, I've been in full-time vocational ministry for 16 years. I've been a lead pastor now for 10. And here's the thing I've noticed is that people who choose to live in that way, 
it always produces maturity in their life. It does. It always produces maturity in their life. The one thing that I've never seen is I've never seen somebody consistently commune with God and God tell them, you have no need to go to church. You have no need to get in the Word. Just read fringe books and figure out what you believe. Let's put you at the center of the universe. And let's build a theology about, around you being the most important. I've just, I've personally never, I've never seen the Lord do that. Hey, you know what you don't need? You don't, you need no spiritual leadership in your life. You need no pastors. You need no counselors. You just do you. No, I've never, I've, I've never seen the Lord do that. I've never heard the Lord do that. I mean, I've heard people say that, but I, honestly, I think they're deceived. Why? Because of the byproducts of those choices. It never produced spiritual maturity. It always produced these six things. One, they backslide. Two, they lack spiritual understanding. Three, they're divisive due to jealousy and constant comparison. Number four, they have a lot of pride. They're arrogant and egotistical. Number five, they're overly sensitive to other people's freedoms, judging other people constantly. Number six, they are unstable. That's, that's what I've noticed. So real quick as I'm finishing, how can someone move towards spiritual maturity? I don't want to just, I don't want to just like, you know, set up the T-ball and like, okay, everybody who's spiritually mature, you feel like I'm taking a whack at you because that's not my goal today. If that's where you are, listen, I remember Pastor Alan Jones from Grace Center said to me one time, isn't it fascinating that you can be so mature in one area of your life but show immature in another simultaneously? Some of us are really mature when it comes to like, let's say ministry. And some of us are really immature when it comes to relationships. Some of us are super mature when it comes to relationships. And some of us are super immature when it comes to our finances. You see what I'm saying? It's like, hey, don't think that you're like, oh, he's not talking to me today. Right? All of us, me, I'm preaching to myself. Listen, a preacher's secret is that we give the words that we need to hear. There are places in me I need to grow. I want to mature. I want to get better. So I want to do a deep dive with you. Well, I want to grow, okay? So how can someone move towards spiritual maturity? You knew I was going to say these three points, and I'm going to say them real quick because I've been saying them for four weeks. Number one, get planted in a church. Number two, submit yourself to spiritual leaders. Number three, get involved in the work of the ministry. That's the last time you're going to hear me say that for at least the next three minutes, maybe next Sunday. Um, that's number three. And here's where we're back to that rather in Ephesians chapter 4. Rather speaking the truth in love. Here's number four. Rejoice in discipline. How can somebody become spiritually mature? Rejoice in discipline. We must receive, we must choose to receive the truth spoken in love because this allows us to grow up. Revelation chapter 3 verse 19 says, those whom I love, I reprove in discipline. So be zealous and repent. And here's number five. This is the last one. You guys are going to love this one. Get in the Word. All caps. Read the Bible. If you want to become spiritually mature, let me ask you a quick question. How often do you pick up the Scriptures? Because embedded in this thing is your roots, your maturity, your fruits. This is how you grow. This is how you get big. Anytime I've ever spent more time with God in prayer, and I'm like, Lord, I just want to get closer to you. I want to grow. And he's like, pick up the Bible. Okay. Last scripture and I'm done. Psalm 119, 97 through 99 says, Oh, how I love your law. 
It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemy. Somebody say maturity. For it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. It's impossible not to mature when you're constantly meditating on God's Word. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.